that was a blessing. All right, keep your Bibles out here, uh, Malachi chapter 3. This is the passage of Scripture that everybody knows. This is one of those passages when you get to stewardship or offerings, uh, people are very familiar with. Uh, but I think there's some things here that we can learn out of this passage uh, that will be a help to us. And uh, for the next several weeks on the Sunday nights, we're going to be looking at biblical stewardship. And tonight we're going to be looking at the people of biblical stewardship. And as we are, we are seeing who is to be engaged and how does this process, this work, we're going to be looking tonight at the people and so Malachi chapter 3, and as we get into chapter 3, we, we need to sort of back up a little bit and figure out what the context of the scripture is, and chapter 3 is the continuation of chapter 2. See, I knew you'd learn something tonight. But here as we finish up the end of chapter 2, it's not like you go into chapter 3 and now we have a whole new thought. It's not like we are moving into a whole nother topic or a different age. It's a continuation of what has already been discussed. And so look with me here. Let's go back a, uh, go back a little bit. Uh, verse number 17 of chapter 2. The Lord said, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he that delighteth in them. Or, where is the God of judgment? And God is, God is telling us here that the, the Lord is, uh, he is, he is frustrated with the people, and these people have wearied the Lord. They have wore him down. Parents, do you ever feel like you're wore down? You get to the end of maybe a day and the kids just weren't good. I never had any of those days, but uh, my wife sure has, no. Uh, but uh, no, you get wore down and uh, when there's just attitudes and when there's disobedience and when everything that you're saying is being questioned and challenged. And those of you who have little children, hang on, it's coming. And here, what happens is, you wear the parent down. When parents become parents of teenagers, oftentimes you'll see them change. Because they are unwilling to fight for what they believe. Guys, men... Don't allow your desire for peace to cause you to quit standing for truth. That should have had a louder amen. Because there's coming a time when you're going to have to stand. Somebody's got to stand. And when the challenges come and you're getting wore down, what you'll find is you get weary with the battle. It's like all I want is peace and you just give in. The problem is what you lose. It's your kids. It's your future. 
And here what we find is the Lord is looking at his people and he's saying, I am weary with you. My people who know truth, are they have, they have shifted uh, in their words. He said, your words have wearied me. Ye say, wherein have we wearied him? And when ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord. You know, just because somebody says something is done in the, in the name of the Lord doesn't mean it's good. And here the Lord is saying, you're wearying me over this. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're wearying me because people are doing evil and you are giving them a pass on evil. And you're saying that that's acceptable. That's good. That's okay. And God says that's not the case and he is wearied with them. He goes on and he says that uh, uh, at the end of it, he says, when they say, where is the God of judgment? Where is the God of judgment? You get to a place where it's like, well, God's blessing me, so everything's good. And God hasn't chastened me in this. God hasn't corrected me in this, so it must all be okay. And God says, that's wearying me. I like the story. I've used it before, but I like the story of the uh, the man, there was a, a young high school boy coming home from football practice, and as he was uh, coming home, he was still in his uniform, and uh, he had his helmet underneath his, his uh, uh, arm there, and as he's walking, he could see a crowd gathering, and he could hear this man that was step, stepped up on a, just a box, and he's, he's talking to everybody, and he's, he's just telling them uh, that there is no God. It was an atheist, and, and he is just uh, mocking God and mocking uh, the power of God and the existence of God. And, and as he's get, this young man is getting closer, he hears uh, this man raise his fist towards heaven, and he says, God, if you're really there, uh, go ahead and knock me down off of this box. And, and he just keeps on going, and uh, about that time, that young boy grabbed his hel helmet and put his helmet back on. And uh, he's looking at this guy, and this guy is mocking God, and he takes off running, and he hits this guy from the side and knocks him down. And this guy, this man is laying on the ground and trying to figure out what just happened. And this high school boy pulls his helmet off, and he's standing over the top of the man, and he said, God was busy, so he sent me. And, uh, you know, uh, I love that. I love that story. I love that, uh, that analogy that there's some people that are just willing to stand for God. You know what? We, we've got to stand for God. Uh, in a world that, uh, that mocks God, a world that says uh, evil is good and good is evil, uh, a world that says uh, that there is no judgment and, you know, when we die, we're just going to die. And that's not the truth. We will spend eternity somewhere. And what a, what a, uh, a blessing it is to, to have people that have stood against the mockers. But here when uh, they, they made the statement at the end of chapter 2, where is the God of judgment? And then we get into chapter number 3, verse 1. The Bible says, uh, it says, uh, uh, Behold, I will send my messenger, 
and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye shall seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, uh, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one that was going to come. There was a messenger that was uh, a forerunner to come before him. That was John the Baptist. Uh, And take your Bible, go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And we'll see some cross-references here uh, to this this verse in Malachi. But Mark chapter 1, look at verse number 1. Keep your place in Malachi. Uh, But Mark chapter 1, verse 1, we'll read 1 and 2. The Bible says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And so this is referencing back to Malachi and the prophets and Isaiah when they said that there was going to be, the Messiah was going to come and uh, there would be a messenger that would go before him. And so this prophet, Malachi, the one who was going to be calling the people back to God, uh, and, and God was going to use him. But, but let's see what God gives the prophet as the gauge to see where God's people were. You know, there's a, there's a measuring stick that we measure life by. And absolutely, we measure everything by truth, which is God's word. But God gives us some indicators to look at and how we can see where we're at, whether we need to return to the Lord or whether we're close to the Lord. So uh, we're going to look at the people, uh, biblical stewardship, the people. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray that you would just open our minds, our hearts. I pray that we'd be encouraged. Uh, Those that, uh, Lord, as we are endeavoring to live the life that you have for us, I pray that you would help us to just draw closer to you. Uh, None of us have arrived. We have a long way to go. And I pray that you would help us to just implement biblical principle. So for those that are here tonight in person, those that are watching online, I pray that you'd help all of us grow in our faith, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so here the Lord was saying that he was going to send his messenger, uh, and the statement, chapter 2, was where is the God of judgment? Uh, So back in verse 1 of Malachi 2, he said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And you know what? The Lord's coming back. Uh, He is coming back. And when the question went out as, uh, where is the God of judgment? Uh, The response of the prophet was, hey, the Lord's coming back. Uh, And so since he is saying that the Lord is the one that's coming back, he is the one of judgment. He is the one that is going to determine judgment. So it says in verse 1, Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 2, it said, Who will abide? Who will abide? Now, when judgment, we're still talking about judgment. He's coming back, and they're in a bad place. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, he says the Lord's coming back, so judgment is going to come. 
Who is going to abide? Who is it that's going to be able to stand uh, or survive the day of his coming? So who shall stand? Uh, why, Why do we have to wonder that? Because he said that he is like a refiner's fire. Now a refiner... That, that fire, fire in the Bible, always represented judgment. And the refiner's fire, they would, they was, they would take the fine, precious uh, metals and they would, would heat them and the dross, the impurities would come up and the, the refiner would go through and he would separate the, the purity, uh, the pure metal, the gold or the silver from the impurities. And so uh, he is like a refiner's fire. He will burn off all the impurities. Uh, the dross is going to go away. Uh, just the 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 uh, impression of something that is valuable, uh, but not that which is valuable. So he is like the refiner's fire. Not only is he like a refiner's fire, he is like the fuller's soap. This is this is the process, if you would, the fuller. That was the one that was that understood how to how to properly clean. It would be. Okay, I can't get this out, so I'm going to take it to the dry cleaner. It is, you're going to somebody that has all the right tools, has the ability to get out those, those deep stains. So the fuller soap here, uh, he will clean all the dirt and grime that has been allowed to stay. He is, he is going to remove not only the impurities, he is, he is also going to clean everything up. You know, God is a, is a God of holiness. He's a holy God. And if we are going to be right with Him, we have to, we have to fall in line to His guidelines. He's not going to fall in line to ours. The, the level of acceptability is not what somebody on Facebook says. The level of acceptability is not what a culture embraces. The level of acceptability is what does God say? And, and when we look at that, he is, he is the one that is going to be judged. Uh, he is the one that they're saying, where's the God of judgment? Uh, and so now we are finding this God of judgment, the Lord. Uh, he is going to return. He is like that refiner's fire. He is like that fuller sh- uh, soap. Uh, he, uh, the Lord, shall sit. He shall sit. Throne. He, he shall be in a place of authority. So he is going to come uh, as a judge sits on uh, uh, the bench or on the uh, the seat uh, of justice. The Lord is going to come and he is going to sit. He is the one uh, that is going to pronounce judgment. So as a judge sits, uh, as a judge judges, as a refiner who knows how to deal with those precious metals, as a fuller who knows how to clean and make them pure, usable. Uh, it goes on and says in verse 3, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And so now he's going to, he went from where is the God of judgment and God went directly to we're going to clean some things up so you are in a position to give me an offering. You know, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your possessions. He doesn't need my possessions. He's God. If every one of us 
sold everything that we had and put the money in the offering plate, we wouldn't make God any richer. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But God said, you need to return to me. They had wearied him. And the Lord now is saying, okay, we're going to deal with some holiness issues. So then you are in a place to where you can give me an offering. You know, God doesn't accept every offering that's offered. He said, well, I put money in the offering plate. Well, the church accepted it, but I don't know that God does. We know that God's receptance of an offering, just because somebody gives it, does not mean that God received it as an offering. Think about uh, two individuals, Cain and Abel. And Abel brought an offering, and the Lord received it. Cain brought an offering, and God rejected it. God doesn't have to take whatever we offer him. He's, he's God. And he's the one that says whether or not it was an offering to him. And so here we have God. The people could say whatever they want. Well, this is an offering. But God doesn't always receive them as an offering. And we see that. So here, uh, these people, they had, they, had, uh, they had allowed some things in their lives that ought not be there. The actions, uh, please, Brother Frank, uh, the actions of what they had, had given uh, uh, and how they were living, uh, it had impacted them. Uh, thank you. It had impacted them uh, to where they were not uh, able to give an offering to the Lord. Excuse me. So, so here, when we look at uh, this passage, uh, we see that there are some things and some people that are mentioned in these offerings. So, first of all, let's look at some of the people. Uh, let's look at verse number 4 of chapter 3. It says, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old as, and as in the, uh, uh, former years. Go back up to verse 3. Uh, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify who? The sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So here the, the people of, uh, of stewardship, the first people that God dealt with was the spiritual leadership. He's looking at the Levites. Now the Levites were the ones that were to handle all of the offerings. And God said, listen, uh, these Levites, uh, they needed to be cleaned up. They had stopped fulfilling their role as the Levites. They weren't offering the sacrifices. Maybe they had allowed things to happen in their life, uh, that allowed sin into their life uh, that shouldn't be there. And so the Lord was going to clean up the, the leadership, if you would, uh, the priests, uh, the sons of Levi. And they were the ones that were to deal with the offerings of the Lord. And it says, then, uh, verse 4, 
shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years? So we have the people, uh, or the priests, first of all, uh, the Levites, and uh, they were the ones that were to offer the sacrifices, and then you have the people that were going to bring the sacrifices, and both had to be in the right position. Both of them spiritually had to be in a position where they were right with God, if God was going to receive their offerings. And so uh, these, these offerings, now we look at the people of God, uh, we look at Judah and Jerusalem, uh, and that was what, what was listed. So Judah is representing the people of God, Jerusalem was representing the place of the house of God. And so you have here the place where the offerings would come. You had the people that would offer them, which were the priests. You had the people that were going to bring the sacrifices. And then you had a place for that offering to go. And God was saying all of those needed to be sanctified. All of those needed to be holy. All of those needed to be an acceptable place for the Lord to accept, <coughs> excuse me, Accept these offerings. And he said the place of that offering, that it would be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. You know, God, God, doesn't, want, God doesn't want everything just to be in the past. I'm thankful for those who have sacrificed and, and labored in the service of the Lord uh, in the years past, uh, Brother Rick and I were soul winning yesterday, and we were door knocking out off of Moon Street. And uh, uh, we got out, and there was one section, there was no house, it was just uh, property, and there, was, uh, there were three men that were out there. And so we, we walked in and started uh, uh, down a driveway, and one of the men came out and said, you know, what do you need? Uh, not interested, and so he was uh, he, he wasn't interested at all. We told him we were from the church. and uh, So anyway, we turned around and started walking away. Well, an older gentleman was there, and this older gentleman found out who we were, and he, he came looking for us. And he comes back down the, uh, the, the driveway there and started hollering for us, and we went back and started talking with him. And he was the real estate agent that met with Pastor Lamb, uh, to help us get the property right here. And he said, you know, every time I drive by that church, my heart just sort of swells. I had just a little part uh, in uh, helping the church find this place. Uh, it was an orchard at the time. Uh, and now you look at all that God has done. Uh, you know, what a blessing that that is. There, there, there are people that have sacrificed. There's people that God has used over the years. But let me tell you, it shouldn't all just be in the past. There, there is something that God still wants to do. God is still a God that uh, has a mission. He still has a job that he wants to accomplish. And there are generations that are coming behind us if the Lord tarries is coming. And we've got to make sure that we are who we are supposed to be so there is a church. There is a place where people can come and get saved. There's a place where uh, people can come and get uh, godly counsel and help and strength from the Word of God. Uh, the teaching, the fellowship, the encouragement, a place to serve, all of those things. Uh, there are people that still need the Lord. We sing the song, we've heard the song, people need the Lord. And the reality is, people still need the Lord. And, and where are the, how are they going to hear if God's people, 
If God's leaders, if, if the leaders uh, within uh, the, the church, if the uh, people within the church, if we allow ourselves to be tainted by the sins of the world, we allow our affections to be uh, caught up down here on this earth, what will happen is uh, we will just be like the, uh, the church in the days of, uh, of uh, uh, Josiah, uh, in the church and the, the people of God in a day where God has had been totally forgotten. And that doesn't need to be the case. You see, the people of God had gone astray in their relationship. The people of God's condition was evident by the lack of their giving the offering. That's what God put together. God came and said, this is the condition they're in, and they're in this condition because they haven't been giving them an offering. The very first thing that he's telling them to deal with is the unholiness in their heart, the sins in their life, so then they can give. So if we are not giving, what's that say about our heart? What does that say about our priorities? And so God tied this all together. The people uh, of the uh, of the people of biblical stewardship, uh, it's God's people. He's not dealing with uh, just the people in the world. He's dealing with his own people. Uh, the priests, uh, they were to, the ones who were to carry out the mission. They were the ones already offering the sacrifices. But why weren't they doing it? Was it that they had gotten sidetracked? Was it that the people quit bringing the offering? Regardless, one way or the other, God dealt with the priests first. Then he looked at the people, and he dealt with the things that were allowed in their life. Take your Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. In 2 Kings chapter 22, look with me at verse number 3, and we'll read down to verse number 13. 2 Kings chapter 22, And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have, get, have gathered of the people. So, so notice here, there are still offerings going on. People are still giving. All right, It says, And let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord, to repair the breaches of the house. So the house of God is in disrepair. They need to take the offerings. They need to make uh, uh, updates to the house of God or make the repairs. It says, under the carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. How be it? There was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. 
And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Now just notice here, this statement, they found the book of the Lord in, uh, the book, uh, of the Lord in the house of the Lord. The book of the law in the house of the Lord. What, what a tragedy that God's word can be, got, can be lost in God's house. There are a lot of people that gather in church houses and the law of the Lord is not there. Just because there's an assembly does not mean it's the right assembly. And here you find people were assembling, people were giving, but God's word was not there. It had been lost. And why was the house of the Lord in disrepair? People were still giving, but there was no care for the things of God. You know, we can give an offering just to make ourselves feel better. And it has nothing to do with sacrificing or giving to God. It just has to do with, well, I feel better. I, I, I put something in. And here, don't look at me like that. These people were giving an offering, God's word was lost, and the house of God was in disrepair. So there were, there were some good things going on, but God wasn't happy. And here when we find what takes place, uh, we see uh, what, is, what uh, the Lord continues to work. Uh, let's see here, where do we stop? Verse number 8, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. Now notice here, the response to God's word was that the king, when he heard it, he rent his clothes. He rent his clothes. It wasn't, I've heard this before. It was God's word. What's our response to God's word? There was an outward response, an outward reaction to the word of God that was being uh, read to them. Verse 12, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah uh, and Shaphan the scribe and Asahiah the servant of the king saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that was written concerning us. Uh, what happened? A generation dropped the ball. 
A generation dropped the ball. It was their time to run. It was their, their leg of that race to run. And they dropped the ball. They dropped the uh, baton. They did not keep going. They did not make that handoff. And what happened was now uh, they are looking and they are hearing what God's word is. And now they recognize there's judgment. They're recognizing that the condition that they are in, they are needing God to show them mercy so they can get things right. Uh, the people of God's covenant, Israel and Judah, had become like all the other nations. God said, you shall be a peculiar people unto me. Now, don't get the idea that, well, you know, that's just dealing with Israel. We are grafted in. You know, the very same verse that said, I am the Lord, I change not, that we just read. We, we get assurance in that verse, but we want to use it, we want to use it very selectively. God's the same as he has always been. The things that God loves, he still loves. The things that God hates, he still hates. He, he has not changed. And so these people of God, they, they had become like everyone else, like all the other nations. They fit in. They had left the covenants. Uh, they had left the God of the covenants. They had left the ways of God. They had left the word of God. They had left the house of God. And now God is this God that they were saying, where is the God of judgment? He's saying, okay, here I am. And let me, let me reveal to you some things about who I am and what I am going to do and what I want to see. So they had fallen a far distance from the Lord. So let's go back to Malachi chapter 3. And now let's look at verse number 4. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against the false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord. So now God is saying, okay, uh, I am come, and I will bring judgment. He will bring judgment. You know, sometimes we feel like we're on the losing side, don't we? Sometimes we look around and we wonder... How in the world, I mean, all the opposition, all these people that seem to be getting away with all the ungodliness, judgment's coming, don't worry. Judgment's coming. God's justice, the, the stone of God's justice uh, may run slow, but it runs sure. And it runs true. So these priests, we see the people uh, of, the, of the stewardship. We see the priests uh, of the offering. We see the people of the offering. We, we see that their responses was going to result in the pleasant reception of these offerings by the Lord. It would bring pleasure to God. So these offerings were to return. Judgment was going to come against the evil, the sorcerers, the adulterers, the false witnesses, the oppressors. Uh, and, and, and God here, he's saying, don't worry about that. He said, I am, I am going to return. I'm going to send my, the Messiah is going to come. 
Verse number 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Uh, he's saying, you, you are not destroyed because I am a God who changes not. It's not because of our goodness that he doesn't judge us. It's because of his goodness and his mercy that he doesn't judge us and destroy us. Uh, he said, verse 7, Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, wherein shall we return? So here, the relationship, even though they have gone away, even though they have, uh, they have uh, embraced the things of, uh, of the world, here now the Lord is saying, you need to return to me. And the people are saying, well, where do we need to return? Still don't get it. And the reception uh, of the Lord, he said, he said, uh, he said, verse number seven, he said, uh, as even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances. Now, the ordinance is a regulation. That's what the word literally means, a regulation, an authoritative rule. And he says, you need to return. Who needs to return? Well, the priests need to return. That's one group of people. Then you have the people themselves, the people of God. They need to return. Verse number eight, he goes in. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So, so going back to this, we go back to chapter number 2, and we're dealing with judgment. We're dealing with a group of people that have forgotten uh, that God is going to judge. And, and where, where they have forgotten is they have forgotten that God's coming. They have, they have forgotten that the Lord is coming back. And with that, the lack of anticipating His coming has impacted the, the, the life that they lived. When you don't think that the Lord's coming back, when you think the Lord's coming back today, it's going to impact how you live. Have you ever stopped and just sort of thought about, what would I do if I knew today was my last, my last day to live? What is it that I would do? Are there people that I would want to communicate with? Are there sins that I would want to get squared away? Are there, what, what would we want to do? But when we know the Lord could come back today, it's going to impact how I live and how I act. You know what? I don't want the Lord to come back and me being in a bar somewhere. I know people that have stood in the pulpits that are in prison today. I know people that have, have, have served the Lord and lived, lived a life for Him and got off track. And they're not close to God at all. 
you know, that's not how I want my life to be when the Lord comes back. When he comes back, I want, I want nothing between my soul and the Savior. I don't want there to be a, a bunch of baggage that I've got to try to get cleaned up in my life. And, and here these people, the Lord is looking at them and he's saying, judgment's coming. And then with that, uh, he says, you need to return unto me. Well, where do we need to return? He said, in tithes and offerings. The first thing the Lord's talking about uh, for them to get things right, he's talking about the offerings. Uh, and, and he uses the tithe. Now, the tithe, the very word tithe means tenth. Means tenth. The tenth is the Lord's. Now, it's the first tenth. It's not the last tenth. It's the first tenth. It's the first tenth before Uncle Sam. God doesn't pay taxes. It's, we give the tenth, it's of all our increase. And so here, uh, the tithe. You say, well, it's just, I just can't afford it. Well, if you get a dollar, ten cents is God's. And, and we need to be aware of that. You know, the Pharisees, they paid tithe of their mint, their anise, and their cumin. They paid tithe of their spice garden. They had an herb garden. And they paid tithe of that. Now, the Lord didn't correct them on that. He said, these things ought ye to have done. New Testament It wasn't Old Testament, it was New Testament. These things ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So, uh, 10 cents on a dollar, uh, a dollar on $10, $10, I'm doing some math here, uh, so just help me out here. So, $10 uh, would be the tithe on $100, $100 on $1,000, $1,000 on $10,000 uh, uh, would be $10,000 on $100,000. He said, well, you know what, Pastor? If I had $100,000, I'd tithe. No, you wouldn't. You'd say, well, that's just too much money to give. If you can't give God 10 cents off of a dollar, what makes us think that we would write him a check for 100000 off of a million? And God said, you have robbed me even this whole nation. God looked at his people and, and across the board, he said, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. So here you have the tithe, which is the tenth. The offering was up and above the tithe. So, so here, unless we are giving a tithe and an offering, we are robbing God. That's what God says. That's not 1 Kerry 1 1. That is Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, God said, Will a man rob God? And so uh, here uh, we see this. Uh, it, is, it is the, the teaching. Uh, and, and with this, theft and robbery are different. They're legally different. So if I go into 7 Eleven and I grab a candy bar and I walk out without paying, that's stealing. That's theft. Now, if I was going to do that, it would be either a Snickers or a Butterfinger. I'm not sure which, but it would be one of those two. 
And not that I'm not going to do that. But if I did and I walked in and I grabbed a candy bar and I walked out and I didn't pay for it, that would be stealing. That would be theft. If I walked in and I grabbed some candy bars and I pulled a gun out on the clerk and walked out, now all of a sudden this is robbery. You see, robbery is stealing with, with the threat of, of bodily injury or harm. And so now God looks at it and he says, when you do not give me the tithe and the offering, you are not just stealing from me, he said, you are robbing me. He said, you are taking something that is mine. It's mine. Now, the people of stewardship is God's people. He's talking about us. Years, years ago, before we uh, started uh, groundbreaking on this project over here and uh, getting that building built, uh, I was, it was during stewardship month, and, and we, we, uh, we had already uh, communicated the vision and for this building and uh, the different ministries, different things that we were going to have. And, uh, and in the uh, service, I had, had uh, made a statement that, uh, uh, that with this, uh, who is going to pay for that? And, and I made the uh, wave my arm and I said, it's going to come from us. It's going to come from you. Uh, and, and we lost some people over that. There were several individuals. I had one that was so irate with me. And the idea that there would be, that God's people would give towards God's house. And the audacity for me to say anything about that. Now, I'm going to be I'm going to have some audacity, and I'll say it again. God's people are the people of stewardship. It is. It's our responsibility. He's our God. He is the one that we are going to stand before. And with that, then, uh, if I'm going to say that I am returning to Him, the first thing He said returned to me was in tithes and offerings, and everything else sort of falls into place. But if our heart is not willing to give to Him, then what we find is our heart is somewhere else, and then our tithes and offerings. The people of biblical stewardship, it's the people of God. And you and I are to be participating in the plan that God has for us as stewards. And the tithe is the Lord's. Uh, it belongs to Him. And, and God looks at the tithe as it is His. And when we keep the tithe and use the tithe for some other purpose, we are robbing God. Robbing God. We use the tithe to pay PG&E. You just rob God. You use the tithe to pay for a new truck or a new gun or a new house. Whatever we want to fill the blank in, that's robbing God. Now, God... God blesses us when we, when we obey. He blesses us. And one way he blesses is he rebukes the devourer. 
What we have stretches. It produces more. You can get farther with it. But the people, uh, so paying a bill, tuition for the, your kids' college or tuition for your kids' uh, Christian education, that's not the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. So here the Lord said, return unto me and I will return unto you. God says, we have a, we have a distance between us. That relationship is not where it needs to be. He said, you return unto me in the tithes and offerings, and I will return unto you. Uh, in the tithe, the tenth, the offerings above the tenth. So it's always been God's plan for God's people to supply the needs for his church, for his ministry, for his, his cause. Uh, the ministries, the teaching, the preaching, the discipling, the, uh, the missions, uh, the message going out, all of that, it's, it's tied up with God's people and the tithe. Uh, that's how the Lord uh, works his, his economy. That's how his economy works. But if we are not engaged and involved, we're not close to the Lord. There's a distance that's there. And God says, we need to return. We need to return. So, I don't know where you're at. But you know where you're at. Are we, are we being honest with the Lord? Or are we robbing the Lord? And that's, and that's something all of us have to look at. You know, W-2s just came out. Giving statements also came out. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty easy. And the reality is, the heart of giving to the Lord ought not be just what the minimum is. That's just, that's just ground level. That's the starting point. And from there, then the offerings go above that. You think about David and all that he gave towards the house of God. It was, it was not his tithe. It was way above the tithe. When they were building the tabernacle and the temple, uh, the tabernacle, Moses had to say, quit bringing the offering. Oh, the day. <laughs> As a pastor, uh, I would love to say, okay, uh, we don't need to give any more uh, to, the, uh, to the building fund. We don't need to give any more towards missions. Uh, we don't need to give. It, can you imagine what that must have been like? For there being so many resources where they had to restrain the people from giving. We've got too much gold. Quit. It's getting in the way. That would be, that'd be a great problem to have. Faithful men, can you imagine what that would be like in budget, uh, uh, trying to figure out budget for a year uh, with that being the equation? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, but the heart of the people was to give. You know, that's where our heart ought, ought to be. The tithes and the offerings return unto me. So uh, the people of biblical stewardship, it's us. It's us. We are, we are the stewards. God is the one that entrusts 
what we have, and now we just need to be a good steward for him, and God blesses us as we do. And you know what? If every one of us were biblically, biblically uh, following the Lord in our stewardship, we would be able to accomplish so much more. You know the amount of missionaries that come and say, we, they'll send packets in. We'd, we'd like to be able to come and share the work of the Lord that God has called us to. I can't let them all come. Why? Because there aren't the resources. There isn't the ability but if, if we would all return, what we'll find is if all of God's people follow God's plan, man, it works. You think about the, you look at that building over there and you see how nice it is. And we have a, we have a beautiful building. But there isn't anything that is overlaid in gold. There's no marble over there. There's no granite. There's, there's no precious metals. How did, they, how did they build the temple? Where did all that gold come from? It came from God's people. All of the resources. God had already supplied it. And for our ministry, you know what? God has already supplied it. And we just all need to make sure that we are following his plan. The people of biblical stewardship. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you uh, just for your word, the clarity of it. Help us, Lord, to follow you and obey you. Uh, bless, Lord, just the faithfulness of your people. And Lord, so many as I look out uh, and those that are watching online, so many, I know, Lord, that they have, they have just been faithful in their tithes and their offerings, their giving, uh, their generosity, and I thank you for that. Uh, and just help all of us, Lord, to uh, allow you to work in our lives in this great area. And just use us, please, for your cause. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.